Simmons fly ball shallow left back is Cosmo. He'll take it. He'll call. Oh, it's gonna drop. It falls. Miscommunication. And the bases are loaded, and Box can't believe it. They're calling it an infield fly rule. You cannot call that no, an infield no fly rule. No way. Too deep. He wasn't camped. Welcome into Infield Fly, guys. It is 7.20 p.m. Thursday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there. Um, clearly, we have big plans for Valentine's Day. Spending it with you, recording a new show for you. Um, I've loved seeing all of the memes today. Valentine's Day card memes, very underrated uh, very underrated. Send send us your favorite ones after the show. We got some stuff to talk about today. We're about six weeks out from opening day in the MLB. So for the next six weeks, we're going to go division by division, previewing each division. Of course, there's still some major moves to be made. But until then, we're just going to look at the teams as they are now. Uh, of course, football season has wrapped up. I'm sure we may lose some people because we're going to become probably major baseball, a uh, major baseball show now. But hopefully, we retain some people, and maybe we can make you look at the MLB in a new light. We try to make it fun. Um, maybe we can get some of you guys on board with that. Blake, how you doing today, man? Good. Um, been a great Valentine's Day. Been at work all day. Didn't do a whole lot, so been fun. Motivation is high right now. I'm telling you, super high. But I'm here for you guys because this is what you want, and then we're giving it to you. We're giving it to you on Valentine's Day. Just like- <laughs> <laughs> to start off, we're just gonna hop right into our MLB talk for the day. That's our notes for this week, folks. That's our notes. <laughs> Constant um, Valentine's Day puns. Yes, exactly. Um, we're going to jump right into our MLB talk. Also, before we do that, infieldflysports.com, still promoting our website. Go there, check it out. Everything's on there. We're streamlined into one neat website now. Go check it neat. out. Very neat. Um, so our MLB, we're going to start with the AL East. That seems like a reasonable place to start. We'll go AL East this week and NL East next week and then Central and the Wests. Um, the AL East, obviously, the World Series champion, Red Sox, coming out of that division last year. Um, if you're not familiar, Red Sox, Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays, Orioles is that division. Three really good teams, two not-so-good te- teams. Um, the Orioles are really Terrible, worst team um, in baseball. But Boston trying to trying to defend their World Series championship next year in 2019. I think they have a decent shot to do it. Um, where do you want to start with this, buddy? You want to start like with the Orioles? So they're kind of let's go bottom to top. Last. So we're working okay. our way up instead of going down to the pitfall of the MLB. I like it. I like it. Um, Baltimore went you know 47 and 115 last year. That is tough to do lose 115 games that is a rough season is it harder to win 115 games or lose oh, 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's that's rough. Uh, Fangraphs has them projected to lose a hundred next year to go sixty-two and a hundred, and taking a massive a, step up. Taking a look at their you know projected opening day roster, they're they're basically a four A team. There's not a lot of big names there or much talent at all. I mean, Trey, Trey Mancini, he's a really good player. He's a really underrated player, in my opinion. Yep. Um, he can hit for power. He can play corner outfield. He can play first base. Um, I think probably he's the best player on their roster. Um, Without a doubt. Position player-wise, Dylan Bundy's a pretty solid pitcher there, um, heading that rotation. Yeah. I wouldn't call him an ace, but no, he's the, he's he's the ace a, of that staff. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of four and fives on MLB rosters. That would be the ace of that staff. Very true. Um, he had a rough year last year, though, so we'll see if he can bounce back. Not a lot of motivation to do such. Not at all. Um, I would be surprised if they, you know, it's it's going to be another lost season for the Orioles there. Um, we'll see if Chris Davis can bounce back from his historically bad season last year. Uh, was just absolutely brutal. I don't have his numbers, but they were really bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got him pulled up. His war so he, was negative three almost. Well, he hit two – or, sorry, one six. 68 good enough for a slugging percentage of 296 so slugging percentage was a decent batting average yeah 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 ops was right around 539 i'm trying to get his strikeout numbers pulled up but he struck out 100 192 times he struck out in 120 probably right there near the top in 128 games he struck out 192 times yeah, mm, that's, that's tough. That's tough. Sledding. That's rough. Uh, obviously, we'll be keeping eyes on one of their pitchers, David Hess, a Tennessee Tech alum. Um, came up last year and pitched pretty decent for him. He has a shot to make the rotation. Hopefully, he will continue his his success in Baltimore. Uh, it's not a whole lot to talk about here no, with Baltimore. They they suck. Not, yeah. The only really question cool. I had about them. Um, you know, they've got former Atlanta Brave Rio Ruiz, who was an okay player when he was playing at third base every day yeah. for the Braves. Maybe he gets a shot here. Um, doesn't have a whole lot of power, but you know, he's okay with the glove, he's okay defensively. So, or not defensively, sorry. Uh, he's okay with the glove, okay, is hitting for average. So, I mean, obviously, that's going to be a good player for this team if you look at who else they've got. They got VR, who's an okay player. Yeah. yeah he, he can move a little bit, you know, if he can get on base. Um, but just like going through these other guys, some of them I don't even recognize. Yeah. Same here. But I've, I've I mean, heard good things about Austin Hayes. I don't know. He's, he's a young guy, but like right. you said, there's just not a lot. They're not working with much. Nope. And Mancini's so. <laughs> not really a trade chip right now because he's still no. got, I think, four years of L- of team friendly. He's still got four years of team control, so they're not yeah. going to trade that unless it's, you know, for an onslaught of talent. Uh-huh. And they're no right. one's going to give that up for Mancini, right? So they're not even. They're. I mean, Trumbo is <laughs> probably the most likely person to get traded from this team, and yeah. he had a, a rough year last year too. 
So he's yep. really going to have to bounce back early on to get dealt before the deadline. Right. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're thinking, maybe I will get on board with baseball, I would not nope. jump on the Orioles bandwagon. Nope. Nope. Jonathan Hutton became stuck. an Orioles fan a couple of years ago yeah. when he declared his fanhood. He couldn't have picked a worse team. Yeah, they're, they're going to suck, and they're going to suck for a while. Um, Real quick, little mini rant. Uh, someone on Twitter, Bob Nightingale, I believe, called Adam Jones. He said he was elite. At one point in time. Well, no, he was not. No, he was not. He was not at league. Go look at his numbers. The most home runs he ever hit in a year was like 33. And yeah. he hit like 280 that year. That's not elite. Yeah, I'm getting a little, play hey. a little fast and loose with the word elite there. Yeah. Well, and do they bring Jones back? I mean, he hasn't signed anywhere else. And I'm sure we'll probably talk about this later on, maybe. A free agent market is dead right now. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's. They're all waiting on Harper and Machado for kind of the rest of the dominoes to fall. But it's like it was last off season. It just yep. sucks. Um, yep, seems to be the new norm. Uh, but moving on up the division, the Blue Jays. <laughs> Blue Jays finished seventy three and eighty nine last year, and Fangraphs has them at seventy seven and eighty five for twenty nineteen. So. Uh, increase of four wins there um their roster is got some familiar names but the big piece will be starting out in the minors but he will be up soon obviously that is vlad vladimir guerrero jr um the most hyped prospect um in a long long time coming up um, I'd say like, since Harper, at least. Yeah, seems like a sure bet to just come up and rake for Toronto. I don't know when right. he's supposed to get there, but that's what everybody everybody in Toronto is waiting for, is is for his arrival. I'd see it kind of playing out like uh, uh, Acuna did last year, <laughs> where they hold him back. You know, kind of how they did for Brian a few years ago, and they hold him back right. to get that extra year of control. Right. Um, you, may, you may see him come up. Late May probably is what I'd yeah. be banking on. So that's that's what I figured. This will play out like kind of a Chris Bryant, Ronald Acuna um, type right. deal. So, but yeah, he's. I mean, he's going to come up and rake. The the Blue Jays do have they have two starters in in Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez that when healthy are, are very capable big league starters. Stroman's one of my mm-hmm. favorite guys to watch pitch. Um, if you've never seen that guy pitch, he's a lot of fun to watch on the mound. Brings a lot of energy out there. Uh, plays a lot bigger than he is. Um, they got Kevin Pillar out there, Roman Center, makes some highlight real catches. That's always fun to watch. Um, I don't know. Justin Smoke is a solid piece there. He he hits all the time. But again, this is not a team that's going that's going to compete at all this year, right? Unless and they're in a tough division a, too, as oh, far yeah. as the top three go. So that yep. kind of it really hurts these bottom two teams a lot because <laughs> yeah. they they can't really be competitive with. You know, any year, I mean, you can't – it's hard to be competitive with the Red Sox and the Yankees every year. Yep. Um, even the Rays don't do it every year. Right. So, so yeah. The Rays um, finished third in the division last year at 90-72, and 72, which surpassed a lot of people. I don't think anyone really expected that from them. I know I didn't. Um, they they yeah. tore down their roster, got rid of the longtime face of the franchise and Evan Longoria, traded Archer in the middle of the year. Um, I certainly did not expect them to play that well. 
but they did, and they did it on the back of Blake Snell, who went 21 and five with uh, what was his ERA? One point twenty one and five with a one point eight nine ERA and two hundred and twenty one strikeouts in one hundred and eighty innings um, for a team that brought us the opener last year. They Black. had a dominant ace in Blake Snell, who ended up winning the Cy Young, and I think he has just scratched the tip of the iceberg for this kid because he has such nasty stuff. And he's only going to get better and better. And I honestly think that the Rays are set up nicely to to have a nice season again in 2019. I mean, Fangraphs has them at 85 and 77, which is taking a little bit of a step back. But I really like the pieces they have. They went and added Mike Zanino, who's a really good hitting catcher and good defensively. He brings a lot of pop back there behind the plate. Right, not going to hit for much average, but he's yeah. going to, you know, he can bring you 30 home runs a year. At a position that it's tough to find offense at. Right. I mean, if you're going to get 205 average from a catcher, you at least want him to have some pop, right? So you want right. to kind of uh, kind of alleviate that burn of the low average. Exactly. Um, they're going to get a full season from Tommy Pham coming over from St. Louis last year. And when he got to Tampa, he just absolutely raked. Um, his numbers in Tampa last year in 39 games, he hit 343 with seven home runs, 22 RBIs, swiped five bags, was getting on base at a 450 clip. His OPS was over a thousand. Um, plays great defense. Uh, I, I really love Fam. I, I fell in love with him when he was a Cardinal. He plays balls out every time he goes out there. And the, the people in Tampa are going to love him as well. He doesn't give a crap about anything except playing baseball. Um, right. a full season from him, a full season from Austin Meadows coming over in the Archer deal. Kiermaier. Um, Willie, Willie Adames is probably the future face of that franchise, that shortstop. I like some of the pieces they have. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and they've got Malik's too, who can play so any outfield gone. spot, who hit – he was in he the Zeno trade. Oh, sorry. I'm looking he's, at the he's 18 in Seattle roster. now. Yeah. Well, when we get to the to West, I'll talk about Malik. <laughs> um, but no, Adam is like you said, he he's kind of one of those he was highly rated like as mm-hmm. a prospect, but it wasn't talked about a lot. Like yeah. you didn't hear about him like you do with Acuna or with Vlad Jr. or even, you know, Torres for the Yankees. You know, but he's got all the potential that all those guys have. Yes. Um, and he brings, you know, a kind of a different element, kind of a newer element to the shortstop game, and that's the power, like what you see with Correa and Lindor. Yeah, 10 homers last year and 85 games for him. Right. Yeah, so he came over in the David Price uh, deal when they sent Price to Detroit. Um, and then a couple arms for them. I know that they on the – site I got their roster from it only had three starters listed but they've got Honeywell and DeLeon who both were going to be in the rotation last year if they didn't have Tommy John Mm -hmm. they're both lurking there and I think they could by the middle of the summer maybe June July fill out those last two spots in the rotation and that gives them really a nice young a nice young rotation of arms there for a long time do you think they quit going with the opener once those guys come back 
Uh, I think they'll be careful with them just because of the fear of Tommy John and, and innings and stuff like that. Maybe but, use them in a more of a shorter role. Maybe not necessarily yes. an opener, but like a three or four inning type deal. Yeah, maybe. maybe you'll get them in there to start, but don't get let them go too long. Yeah, or maybe, you know, when it is their day to pitch, they go with the opener for an inning and then they bring in those guys to throw four or whatever it is. I got you. So. Yeah, I mean, a couple of more hitters, uh, you know, Joey Wendell, who really kind of came out of nowhere last year. Yes, I know he played he for the Sounds. I'd seen him play in person. Um, you know, nothing really spectacular in person, but he had 300 yeah. last year and over 500 at bat. Or 500 play, appearances, played appearances, sorry. Yeah, and he can he play plays, all over the field. Right. He's very versatile. Um, they brought in Yandy Diaz from Cleveland to play first yeah, after they freaking. let Crone go. Piss rods had like the highest exit velocity in the league, I think. So, yeah, I mean, they've got some nice pieces. Like I said, you know, same thing applies for them because they're in the AL East. It's going to be tough to to yep. compete. I think they're shooting for that that second wild card wild spot, card. honestly, at this too. point. Um, and then try to just get in, and then we all know anything can happen once you get in. Yep. So for sure, they they put together a nice little team on a budget. Um, of course, Tampa uh, picked up Charlie Morton. Like yeah, thought that was a, a good pickup. Um, sure. He's been pretty consistent for the Astros the last couple of years since he's been there. Yep. And and they got him on a shorter deal where they don't really give away a lot for the future. Like you said, Honeywell and uh, De Leon. De Leon are right there lurking. Yep. Morton can kind of hold down the fort for a year or two. I think he may have an option next year. I think it's a yeah. option. Um, but yeah, he can hold that fort down as long as they need him to, and then you know, give those time those guys some time to get healthy and to get up to speed with with the show. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. And uh, moving on to the top two teams in the division, um, the Yankees last season won 100 games, 162, uh, projected at 95 and 67 for next year. Um, they were busy this offseason, a lot of people thought they might go after Bryce Harper, might go after Manny Machado. They didn't. They pulled their money. So and far. So far. They're still Not out there, yet. obviously. Um, but they pulled their money and went traded for James Paxton to give him another nice piece in the rotation, which I think they desperately needed. Yes. Um, signed DJ LeMayhew away from Colorado to be a utility infielder. He's going to play all over the field for him. Um, signed Troy Tulowitzki. And, and promised him the starting shortstop job if he's healthy out of spring, which is always a question with Tulo. Um, right. But they have so, that security with LeMahieu being there. That they do. So they have that luxury of promising him that spot. So if he does get hurt, they can move Torres over or they can put LeMahieu at short. Yep. <clears throat> um, I mean, this is a team. They were already loaded with bats. Um I'm interested to see how the outfield plays out for them because, you know, yep. Gardner, Hicks, Judge, and Stanton are all – they're all making the roster. That, there's no question about that. But they've got old old man Jacoby Ellsbury eating up a lot of payroll <clears throat> and not really producing anymore. And I am ready to see Clint Frazier in the show. I know yep. he's been up and down a little bit, been a little hurt now and again. But this is a kid that came over – when they traded Andrew Miller to the Indians, and he is so talented, I'm ready to see him. I don't care about Jacoby Ellsbury. 
get rid of him, whatever you have to do. Find a way. Clint Frazier is going to find a way on this roster. They've they've talked about some bad contract swapping. I can't remember exactly who. I think it was the Giants they were looking at potentially swapping Cueto for Ellsbury straight up. Yeah. Um, So they may try to, you know, throw him together. They might have to throw a prospect with him, but try to just get him off the books. So, I mean, I could see that happening. You know, a team like like the Orioles, for example, that just need bodies that can play. Right. You know, maybe they take on a a mid-level prospect. They they throw it with Ellsbury and a little bit of change just to get, you know, that future contract off the books. Because let's face it, the Orioles aren't going to be spending anytime soon. Um, they're still not there as far right. as depth-wise in their organization goes, so they're not going to go out and get a bunch of free agents right now. So I could see something like that happening, or a bad contract swap where you just find, you know, a guy at a different position, say it's a reliever or a starter, and you know you've got more room to or wherever you want to throw them uh, instead of that crowded outfield. Because if you want to talk about a crowded outfield, that's probably the most crowded outfield in all of baseball. Yeah. So it is for sure. Um, do you think Luke Voigt can keep up the pace he was going last year? Or do you I, think Greg Bird is going to? I'm not a fan of Bird. I think he's. Yeah, I don't want to get you started. Your bird, I think your he's trash. I don't know. Uh, it's always, we see this sometimes with the Yankees. You know, there's so much star power that these guys that aren't really known commodities come up and make plays in big moments. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just a a factor of they're in those big moment pressure situations much more often, so there's more opportunity for no-name people to step up and make plays. Yeah. Or if it's maybe you're not as focused on Voight because you're worried about Judge, Stanton, Andujar, you know, Torres, Hicks, all in the lineup. So yeah. you, you kind of have to not take a break, but mentally hold back so you can – you know, give more whenever the power hitters right. are there. So maybe it's a little combination of both. I, I don't know if he's going to put up the same numbers that he did towards the end of the year when he was really helping carrying them towards the end into the playoffs. Um, obviously, yeah. that slowed down in the playoffs. But I mean, no, I don't know. I think I think it's we'll see. Obviously, over the extended amount of time, I think it's his yeah. job to lose. Though I don't think they're going to go with Bird. Yeah, because he's trash. Um, well, he he is not good. I will give you that. Sucks. Um, but I mean he, he but to be fair to Bird, he has had some injury problems, yeah, some injury time. history. So you know, it'll be interesting to see what he's like when he's completely healthy and back. Because, um, I mean there was you know, they liked him as a prospect for a reason. He had, you know, had some potential there. Um but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but then the Red Sox looking to repeat pretty much bring back the same team that won it except for Craig Kimbrell um, still out there to be signed. Uh, I don't think that they're going to re-sign him, um, but he is still out there. But I mean, mm-hmm. they, they bring everyone back. They re-signed Uvalde. They re-signed Steve Pierce. Uh, they're getting Petey back healthy again at second. Um, I mean, they have a solid lineup. They have you got Joe the- Kelly putting the bullpen too. No, he went to the Dodgers. Sorry. God bless him. All right. <laughs> I'm having a rough day. It's okay. All right. I remember. I do that. remember seeing that picture 
they uh, MLB posted today where they had Andrew Miller in the Cardinals jersey, and then they had Joe oh. Kelly in the Dodgers. And Joe Kelly, without the glasses, would look just like Greg Maddox. I never thought about that. Yeah, he looks just like him. So, check that one. It's but yeah, pretty uncanny. He is gone to the. So, I mean, are they going with Barnes as their closer? Then is that what? Uh, the thing I read said that. It's between Barnes, Brazier, and Stephen Wright, which would be interesting. No, you cannot go with a knuckleballer as your closer. No. I think it will end up being Barnes probably, but yeah. I am not in love with that bullpen at all. Well, I wasn't either. <clears throat> but, I mean, I mean, they pitched well in the postseason. They did. So, I mean, know, obviously any, they brought you know, in Stale a few times to yeah. close things out. I mean, I don't know if that says about the trust factor that he has with that bullpen. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, look, they're they're going to contend. They're going to be right in all the way. They can still go get a guy at the deadline if they need him. Right. Uh, there's there's going to be arms out there. There always is. And you know that most days you're going to get seven innings from Chris Sale and David Price. Right. So, you're not – you know, you probably don't have to tax that bullpen all the time during the right. season. So It'll be interesting to see how Ivaldi does this year. Um, kind of yeah. like – kind of similar to a Voight situation. I mean, he was a known – he was a known commodity. Uh, but can he produce like he did in, towards the end of the year and into the postseason last year and put up the same numbers that he did? Because, um, you know, his middle part of his career, uh, not great. Yeah, uh, you look at 2016 with the Yankees. He had a uh, uh, where'd it go? I had it pulled up. Uh, he had a five whip. That's pretty awful. Yeah, I mean um, he's also had the Tommy John surgeries. Right. Um, so I mean well. you don't know how much you can lean on him. Right. He's always had nasty stuff. I mean I remember and he throws hard. He throws I, really hard. Yeah, I remember when he was coming out with the Dodgers, they called him nasty Nate just because of how nasty that his stuff was. And he does throw so hard. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he, you know, holds up for a full year. So uh just looking at this division as a whole, we you know, we went through and broke down the teams a little bit. How do you see it playing out for 2019? There's obviously some contenders in this division. Oh, I lost you there for a second. What was that? Oh. How do I see it playing out? Yeah, yeah. Just looking at the division as a whole, you know, we've broke down the rosters a little bit. Um, right. You know, I think there's some contenders in this division. How do you see it playing it's out? It's pretty It's pretty obvious how three through five are, is going to play out. I think it's going to play out the same way it did last year. It'll be interesting to see how the Rays, if they can compete enough to get a a wild card berth. I think it's going to yeah. be tough because you've got Oakland too, who had a really good year last year. Very good. Um, so it's going to be tough to get that last one. I mean, they won ninety games and didn't get in the postseason. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, that that hurts, especially when you're the Rays and ninety wins for you is like a hundred for the Yankees. Yeah, where you know you're scratching at everything and trying to find every analytical piece that you can get right. to get any advantage that you can. And you win 90 games and you don't make the postseason. I mean, the two teams that made the wild card won 197 games. Right. Respectively, the Yankees right. and A's. It was definitely an up year for the AL. Um, they're kind of in their peak. They're kind of peaking right now. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think the Yankees have made enough moves to – contend for this division this year. I think my number one question for them going into the offseason obviously was, are they going to get Harper or Machado? But after yeah. that, 
it was they have to get another piece for that for that rotation. Uh, and so they, they fixed that by going out and getting Paxton. Yep. Um, and another good lefty. And so you've got Severino and Paxton as your one, two. You know, if Severino is on his game. He's as nasty as anybody. He is good as it gets. Um, so, and, you know, the the questions with the Red Sox bullpen. And then you add that with the additions that the Yankees have made. I think that gap has has shrunk significantly yeah um i would not be surprised at all to see the yankees take this division this year um and that's that's actually kind of how i'm leaning right now just because how dynamic they are and versatile with their offense you know they bring in dj lemayhew a guy who was led the nl in hitting i think two or three years ago yeah Um, so you, you factor that in with the power that you have in that lineup and oh yeah aaron judge is a heck of a hitter Mm -hmm. i think Uh, we even talk about um, Gary Sanchez, you know, I think he's going to have a bounce back year. Right. He is a professional hitter in every sense of the word. So, yeah, I, I like the Yankees to take it this year. I know I picked against the Red Sox all postseason. We did. Um, but I feel like I do have a little weight to what I'm saying here. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. Um, I, I like the Yankees in this division, too. I think uh, maybe Boston's rotation is a little maybe I don't even know if their rotation is better. I think the top two in their rotation maybe, but top to bottom, I like the Yankees rotation better. I mean, you have J.A. Happ in the four spot there who's pitched really well at the back end of his career, um, and their bullpen is much better than Boston's. I mean, the Yankees' bullpen is probably the best in all of baseball. I, I don't know if there's much – contention with that um and then their lineup is is deep i I really like the yankees in this division as well um and i I like tampa man i i would not this may be a little bit of a hot take i i would not be shocked if boston misses the playoffs or just really barely squeaks in to the second wild card. Hmm. I think it'll be a battle for that number two wild card um, between them, Tampa, uh, Oakland, <clears throat> them, Tampa, Oakland, and uh, well, um, Seattle, not Seattle. They, they tore down somewhere in the central Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Okay. Bouncing back a little bit. I would not be stunned if the Red Sox, They've had kind of a tendency to do this in years past. They'll win the division and then they'll miss the playoffs. They'll finish last. Kind of like the Giants. They'll win the World Series. Yeah. So, I I mean, they had a magical year from Mookie Betts, a magical year from J.D. JD Martinez. And, I I mean, I know those those guys are good. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, can that lineup carry them again to 108 wins? I don't know. Well, and you look at look at the question marks too. We're we're questioning their bullpen. That yep. spells disaster a lot because I don't care how yep. good your starters are, they can't throw complete games every time they go out there. And then the back end of that rotation does not does nothing to write home about. Doesn't strike fear into anyone. Right, like we said, they have a recipe to miss the playoffs or to have a down year if Ivaldi mm-hmm. doesn't perform like he did. Um, if Rodriguez doesn't perform well. Um, Porcello, who knows what you're going to get out of him. Right. So you've got two two sure things. Price yeah. is teetering right now on the sure or not. I think he put some of that to bed in the postseason. Absolutely. Um, but then you look at their lineup too. You know, you're not getting much from your catcher offensively, but, you know, yeah. no one no one does. 
Um, that infield, you've got um, Xander sure. Bogarts is the one piece in that infield that I would say is a sure thing. Yeah. You know, Moreland, he can strike out. You don't know what Pedroia's health is going to be like. Never know about Petey's health at all right. anymore. Devers, we saw him slump almost the entire season until the, towards the end of the year. And he hit decent in the postseason. You know, he's a guy right. that's still trying to put it all together, but you can't, you know, you can't bank on that. Right. And then the outfield, I think Mookie, you know, Benatendi, he, he's solid. Um, yeah. Jackie Bradley absolutely has the potential no to flame out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's no way J.D. Martinez is going to repeat what he did last year. I just yeah. – it's impossible. Yeah. Um, and But I think Mookie is – of course, a sure, is, sure. Yeah. He's a sure thing as you're going to get on this team. Absolutely. Um, so there's a lot of question marks, and you're right. There's a, there's there is a way and a recipe for them to have a potential season where they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. You know, and you factor in also the fact of all these other good teams. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it'll happen, but we'll see. And uh, it'll begin in about six weeks. Um, so I'm pretty pumped for that. I know Blake is too. It's Valentine's Day, and we do love baseball. Um, I think that's about all of note, really. Aaron Nola signed to an extension, four years, 45 mil, an absolute steal for the Phillies, a guy and that's going to contend for multiple Cy Youngs in his career. I firmly believe that. Uh, Polanco and yep. Kepler both signed deals today. I think, and I wrote this in that piece that I made up, I think you're going to see this happen more often. Yep. You're going to see guys uh, give away a couple years of free agency to reassure them that they're going to be there a little bit longer than the team-controlled years. And it's just the way the game's set up now. It's the Scott Boris world we're living in. Um, so that's just how it is. Yep, it's kind of setting a new trend with the way this free agency's going. Um, well, we're going to take a quick little break. And when we get back, we're going to touch on a little bit of NFL. There's nothing really going on, a couple headlines. Uh, but we got a lot of hoops to talk about coming up. So hang with us, and we'll be right back. If you enjoy our content, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at IFFly underscore. Like us on Facebook, and as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. We are now on CastBox, where all our Android users can download and listen on the go without using data. Welcome back in, guys. It's Infield Fly. It's Blake. It's Ben. We're going to do a little NFL talk, slowing down a lot, obviously, now that the season's over and the AAF is taking over. AAF, is that right? Yeah, AAF. Alliance of American Football. Anyway, um, but a little little bit of headlines coming in this week in the past seven days. Uh, What we all suspected to happen, um, Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray – uh, you know, he, the potential talk of him being a two-sport athlete. He was at Oklahoma, number one dra- or first-round draft pick for the Oakland A's. But he has decided he's going to go full football. He's going to go the combine, and he's going to be in the draft. And he's probably going to be a first-round pick, if I had to guess. Um, just and and I don't know if that's based off his so much of his talent or the hype, because yeah. I feel like someone is going to buy into this hype. 
And he was asked, okay, if you want to talk about a guy who cannot handle an interview, it's this guy. He was on the uh, Dan Patrick show a little while ago, not today, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And was asked if Oakland Raiders drafted him, would he try to play baseball? And he said no comment. Now, this is obviously before he came out and said that he was going to just play football. So, you know, he's kind of playing – you know, yeah. cards close to his chest, but he wouldn't answer anything. Yeah. And I'm thinking, dude, if you're going to go on this show, you voluntarily go on the show and take money because these, these players get paid to get interviewed. You have to give more of a response than what he gave in the interview. And I'm not yeah. going to go into the entire thing, but it was basically the entire thing was him looking at his dad and his dad saying, we're just not going to comment on that. The yeah. I, time. I saw that. And I, <sighs> It was kind of it was cringy to watch for sure. You know, like Scott's you, if, tots level for me. If if you go on there, you know you're going to get asked that. But like, at the same time, I kind of felt bad for the kid because he, he, I really feel like he really was torn and he really did not know what to do. And those are hard questions to answer. But yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if if that's the case, then just don't go on there and give an interview. Just don't right. do it. But if you agree to do that, you have to. You have to do better than that. But, yeah, I mean, going football right now, I think that's – at first I thought maybe that wasn't the right call and he should play baseball. But the more I think about it, I think it probably is the right call because, for one, he stands to make more money quicker if he plays football. We talked about the first-round baseball picks that never even make it to the MLB. Um, And for two, if he busts out in football – it's a lot easier to go back to baseball than vice versa. If you bust out in baseball, I don't think there's any way you can ever go back to playing football after right. you've been off for a few years. So, And two or three, I guess. I mean, we live in a world, and we'll talk about this here in a second, where Joe Flacco can get a $100 million contract, where Marcus Mariota is probably going to get somewhere close to – $20 million a year. And look, right. I love Marcus. I think that he's been dealt a crappy hand, but to be honest with you, he has not produced a lot. He yeah. don't have the numbers. And if Murray can do what he's done, which I think he can, I mean, he's going to get a hundred million dollars. Yeah. So it's obviously financially, it's the right move to go. Um, quarterbacks are protected more than they ever have been. Uh, and like you said, if he wants to play baseball, he can he can still do that yep. later on. Yep. So. Um, speaking of Joe Flacco, he's headed off to Denver. Um, John Elway's still looking for that quarterback after Peyton left. Uh, I don't think he's found it in Joe Flacco, Dude. considering uh, Case Keenum has been better than Joe Flacco in the pa- past few years. I had the stats. I sent them somewhere, but I can't remember where I sent them to, so I can't find them anymore to tell you. Uh, you sent them to me. I'll work on it. Did I? Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's not – he's just not good anymore. He's not elite anymore because he never was, to answer the age-old question. He wrote a defense to a Super Bowl. Denver would probably be better off drafting one. But Joe Flacco is going to cut in a lot of their cap space. And Case Keenum's probably gone. I would yeah, I mean, that he's on the market. Yeah. What? Everyone's saying, and he's going to be a solid backup for some team, I would imagine. I mean, I'd take him in Tennessee. Um, I'm not 
Oh, okay. Here we go. Matthew Barry tweeted this out. That's um, where it was. I'll read it off. So this is comparing Flacco to Keenum over the last two years. So Keenum with the Broncos last year, which is where Flacco's going, and Keenum with the Vikings whenever they made the run the to NFC the championship. Uh, championship game. Yep. So Flacco completion percentage, 63%. Keenum was almost 65. So Keenum's edging him out in completion percentage. Yards per attempt, Flacco's right at six. Keenum's right below seven. So Keenum almost a full yard more per attempt. Um, I don't know what that stat is. So I'm going to skip I don't it. Know, yeah. It says A-Y per attempt. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Um, and then touchdown-interception ratio. Oh, I do know what that is, actually. That's air yards. Okay. Well, those – I mean, those are really close anyway. So yeah. who cares? Um, touchdown per inter- – Per interception, Flacco is at 158, Keenum at 182. Um, touchdown percentage, I don't think that's an. The QB rating is uh, seven points higher in QB. I mean, they're right. close, but Keen, like it's not an upgrade over Keenum. Right. And, so, it's still just. I mean, I guess Elway's thinking just, here, like we have more for him to work with. We have a better O line. I just. Oh, I mean, Baltimore's invested a little bit in that O line, you know. With um, they went and got the tackle from Notre Dame the year that uh, the Titans were going for Conklin, Sta- Staley, Stanley, yeah. I think maybe it was his name. Yeah, Stanley, I think. Um, but yeah, and then I mean, I, th- I think the Broncos do have some nice weapons on offense. You talk about Philip Lindsay, who was a Pro Bowl running back, mm-hmm. um, and then you talk about Sutton, the receiver. You know, they pick up a couple more pieces. But like you said, like, I don't know how much better Flacco is than Keenum. They're pretty much the same to me. Yeah. In a tough division, that's tough. So, right. It's, yeah, it's just Elway painting for gold, trying to hit. And if it, if it ends up being a comp comp pick where Flacco has to reach a certain amount of something for it to pick up, or Denver has to make the playoffs. You know, I would be. I think I'd be all right with this. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know about the money part of it. Yeah. Um, Probably the biggest news of the past week in the NFL is, yes, Antonio Brown officially, officially requesting a trade. He had already requested one, but his time with the Steelers um, sure seemed to be at an end it's over um i think it's it's been an ugly messy breakup and it, it's you know he's going to be dealt the only question now is where um, and I, I really don't know the 49ers seem to be liking him a lot uh so i, I don't know where i doubt it will be to the, anybody in the afc north no I or can't to imagine. the patriots i wouldn't think they would be getting no I, maybe the Jets get involved here. Maybe young quarterback. Um, I sure yeah. hope the Colts don't call on him because I yeah. think they could give up enough. I think yeah. they've drafted well enough the last couple of years where they could give up some picks and not have to get some more young guys. Yeah, you know, we just to talk about it a little bit because because we talked about it, um, and you you said what you would give up for him. I personally do not want Antonio Brown on. If the Titans were to trade for him, I mean, it would be fine. We'd be getting an awesome receiver. But me personally, I do not want A.B. 
obviously this guy is uber talented at playing football. Mm-hmm. There's no question in the world about that. But the league is full of guys that are uber talented at playing football that I wouldn't want on the Titans. And it's not it's not I'm not hating on the guy or anything, but there's three there's three things that go into playing being an NFL player. There's your on the field stuff, there's off the field football stuff, and there's off the field non football stuff. And Antonio Brown is awesome at one of those on the field stuff, but the other two, he's an absolute wreck. He doesn't really go to pra- like he had some issues at practice with the Steelers, and then everything else off the field, he's a complete diva and two out of three of those are really bad for him. And I don't, if you can't be happy in Pittsburgh where they win constantly. And I mean, every touchdown he's ever caught has been from Ben Roethlisberger. I'm afraid of those things that are so bad for him spilling over onto the field. And that, that would make me very hesitant in, in parting with a lot of stuff for this guy. I mean, there's no, no questioning his talent at all. But we've right. seen guys like that that have off the field issues and and bad things happen on the field with them eventually. So uh, that's just me. I mean, I, I, I have to disagree with you. I think the talent is so the talent level here is so exponentially great. When you're talking about one of the best receivers in the history of this game, you look at the numbers that he's put up. Um, I think it, for the right price. Now, I don't want. I'm definitely not giving up a first round. Probably not giving up a second round, um, unless I'm getting a pick back or something. Um, but you look at his numbers. He's had one, two, three, four, five, six of his nine seasons. The last six years, he's had 100 receptions or more. Um, he had almost 1,700 yards in 2014. Now, granted, it's coming from, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback and Ben, ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Um, but you can just watch the guy and just the routes that he runs coming in and out of his breaks, just how gifted that he is. Oh, yeah, there's no question. Um, I think and, – and this is why I'm saying for the Titans because I think they need a difference maker like that. Yeah. I don't think that Corey Davis has shown that he can do it yet. He probably would be a great number two alongside of a dominant wide receiver. And I think if you can trade a third round or maybe a fourth, um, maybe throw in another piece, maybe a, one of your young receivers, because the Titans, that is one position group that the Titans are, are very young at. Yeah. When you're talking about two guys who are in the same draft class two years ago with Taewon Taylor and Corey Davis, and you talk about Tajay Sharp, who's a year older, you know, and then you've got some other guys that are younger and obviously, you know, inexperienced too. When I say young, I don't necessarily mean they're 21 years old. I'm talking, you know, hasn't played at a high level a mm-hmm. lot. You know, Darius Jennings and others. Um, but yeah, I think he could be a huge difference maker for this team and can help open things up. And I think for the right price, I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, I, and ultimately, the way I look at it is he's going somewhere. Someone is going to pay that price. I want it to be, and my I want it to be on my team. Yep. I want, I mean, this guy, if he, he don't even have to really keep at the same pace that he's been at, but if he can be an above average receiver the rest of his career, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's how good he's been. Yeah. Um, I just don't like the direction that he's trending. 
Right. Like he's, I mean, he was on a trajectory of being mentioned with, you know, Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald and Jerry Rice. But, but the way he's trending now is leaning more toward being mentioned with Chad Johnson and T.O. And those, I mean, obviously super talented, no question, right. but just so much just other issues. And so. let's be fair, receiver and corner are two positions where you find divas a lot. Oh, absolutely. Um, because they score a lot of touchdowns or they prevent a lot of touchdowns and they can make the flashy plays because yep. the ball is around them a lot. And that's just the way the, the league today. is now. Yeah. Right. Um, so I can put up with the diva part as long as the off the field. I feel like he got, didn't he get a DUI like last week? Something like that. Yeah. He got, he got in trouble off the field. That kind of stuff is stuff that I cannot deal with. Yeah. Um, you know, if he's being a jerk, that's one thing. If he's being a jerk in the locker room, I can put up with that to an extent. But because I feel like it, it is different. I feel like there are guys in our locker room that would we'll shut that down. Check. Yeah. Right. Now, I, as far as him and Lawan getting into it, I think that could spell disaster. Yeah. But but I don't think Lawan's going anywhere. Yeah. So I think he would. I think I just don't. That's I don't just know. the whole reason I just kind of say steer clear but it is different whenever you know it's antonio brown messing up off the field versus kenny Britt messing up off the field yeah. so <laughs> well and that's fair call it fair or not that's just how yeah, it is, so it if is. You're, and it, it happens from the middle school level all the way up yep. if you're talented you get more breaks yep that's why, Kareem, that's why Kareem anything got signed by the browns yeah we didn't even bring that up yeah yeah so um but I mean, that's pretty much it. There's not a lot going on in the NFL. We're not going to talk about the NFL a lot between now and October. We'll hit some draft up come yeah. you know, probably a couple of weeks before the drafts, kind of see what we want the Titans to go after. But yeah. Yeah. Maybe if we get some free agent signings going down. Yeah, maybe so. Um, we're going to take a short little break, and when we get back, we're going to talk a lot of college hoops, a lot of great games this past weekend, and a huge game coming huge. up Saturday for the Vols. So we will be right back. talk a lot about college basketball right now some big games this past week duke beating virginia duke surviving against louisville when they choked it away um, lsu beating kentucky in rup michigan lost to penn state marquette and villanova had a great game that marquette ended up winning um, purdue got upset by maryland uh, lots of good games going on um Tennessee obviously handling their business. Um, I guess probably the biggest thing to talk about. Exactly. The biggest thing to talk about that happened was that Duke Louisville game. Louisville absolutely just curling up and going so conservative. 
I didn't watch the game. I was at a buddy's house, didn't watch it, but I saw the highlights. I know Louisville was playing well in the first half, doing what you have to do, making Duke shoot threes that they're not great at. That's how you beat Duke. They were doing it, and then they went conservative by all accounts, and Duke came back and beat them. Blake, I think you saw some of the game. Yeah, I watched uh, just about the entire second half. I can't really speak for the first half. Um, but Louisville was up by 23, I yep, believe, 23 in the second with half. nine minutes to go. Yeah. I mean, and even before that, at about the 12-minute mark, Louisville's offense consisted of breaking the press that yeah. Duke was going in and then holding the ball at the three-point line with yeah, 12 minutes to go at the, in the game. It's not a good strategy. You know, there's a shot clock, and they're sitting there holding the ball, holding the ball, eight seconds to go, holding the ball, five seconds, and then they've got to throw it around and try to get a shot up with two seconds left on the shot clock. And it was just the ultimate choke job. I texted you this, and I still believe it. That is the biggest choke that I've ever seen in sports because they were handling that game. And, and Louisville, their, their pace of play, I mean, they're – they were hitting some threes. They had that place bumping. They wore the black because Duke wears the black on the road, you know, to yeah. say going to a funeral. Well, uh, Louisville blacked out uh, their arena and wore black uniforms. And then they were playing out really good. Playing. And then they might as well have not even – they could have probably not put anyone on the court and it would have been the same result. Yeah. Because, I, I like, I want to give – Duke a lot of credit just because they stayed in the game and they right. never – like you, you've, you've seen the video of R.J. Barrett and then the other guys listening to Krzyzewski when they were down like 18 or something, yeah. you know, in the sec- halfway through the second half, and they're glued to him. Yeah. Like they feel – it looks like it's a one-point game. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of respect for that and for, I mean, not giving up. You know, right. they, they do get credit here. But here's the deal. And this is part of my rant, and I'll get on this a little bit later. They should have never been down by that much anyway. They're way yeah. more talented than Louisville. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd agree with that. I think, I mean, I, I think Duke is probably the most talented team. I mean, you look at those freshmen. I mean, they're so good. I mean, you have a consensus, probably one, two pick right there in Barrett and Williamson. And, right. But that's the guys, you, you look at the box score. I mean, Zion had 27 and. Barrett had 13 and Reddish had 22. Nobody else really scores. Like, right. Just shut those guys down. And, well, and Reddish shot like, like 15 three pointers, if I remember. He I don't did. know. At he, one point, he was, he was four for 13. He finished four of 14 for threes. I mean, they, they shot 25% from three. It's, it's, that's how you beat them. And Louisville was doing it. And then they, you know, things fell apart. But um, other good game, you know. Maryland went and beat Purdue, um, a Purdue team that I I still think is pretty solid. I mean, things happen. People lose. But they only scored 18 points in the second half, which is brutal. It's about as bad as NC State scoring 23 or whatever it was they scored in the full game a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, that you, you cannot do that. I mean, Maryland is not a bad team, but 18 points. Come on now. That's, that's brutal for a, a 
college girls for, team to score 18. Well, for a top 25 team who's looking at, you know, a four or five seed in the tournament. Yeah. Just so, unexcusable. Um, North Carolina, Virginia had a nice game Monday night. Um, Virginia came back and won by eight, 69-61 uh, in a battle of ACC schools. North Carolina actually survived a scare against Miami on Sunday, I believe. Uh, Miami led for a lot of that game. They were up, I believe, six or seven with about three minutes to go. Um, And then the little point guard for North Carolina comes down, and he just starts jacking up threes, and they just are going in. Uh, They easily could have lost that game. They could have lost two in a row at that That, point. The ACC is always just so competitive. Beat up on theirself a lot. They really do. They the really Big Ten's kind of like that too. Yeah, it is. Where the where the SEC is kind of top heavy, mm-hmm. the other conferences are just a lot more um, balanced, I guess. Um, but speaking of the SEC, you know, Ole Miss sweeps Purdue and Auburn. Um, Auburn. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> Why would Purdue be playing the SEC? But Ole Miss sweeps Auburn and. Um, Forgive me, I've completely blanked on their coaches. Kermit name. Davis. Kermit Davis. Yeah, Kermit Davis outcoached Bruce Pearl in two games against Auburn. Um, their defense absolutely smothered the Tigers, um, and really Auburn did not play well at Auburn all. Auburn has not played well. Auburn. They- they played well. Problems big time. Uh, who were they playing the other night? They had a uh, had a nice win the other night, but they, they beat Florida and they beat Alabama. Um, maybe it was the Alabama games, you know. Yeah, but I mean, they were picked to be a top three team in the SEC, and here they're sitting right. at five and six, and they've fallen out of the top twenty-five completely. Oh yeah, they, they've been out of that for a couple weeks now. Yeah. I mean, they're you look Bryce Brown uh, going two for twelve from the field. You know, he's yeah. one for three from three-point line. They're five for 20 as a team. I was trying to get up uh, the little run Ole Miss went on towards the end of the game. Well, really, the only guy that played well at all for Auburn was o- Okiki. I think that's how you say his name, the, the sophomore forward for him. He had 23. Um, everybody else, you know, he shot eight for 11. But everybody else, like you said, Brown, one for seven for three. And that's Auburn. I mean, last year, Auburn was – live and die by the three and you know that's the way they are again this year and they're dying a lot more than they're living and they've had a lot of turnover issues and they're not getting to the free throw line very much and it's just kind of all falling apart for auburn yeah i mean you know it it begs the question because it's going to be there like you said they're five and six in the sec on a in a year and that's that's good enough for seventh in the sec yeah. In a year where people thought, you know, they were going to possibly contend, you know, get this title. I, you know. I expected them to. Right. I mean, I, I thought, you know, we said last year five wins or five losses got you the co-champion. Right. Um, you know, I thought maybe we see similar numbers this year, you know, especially now that LSU has gotten better. Yeah. Um, you know, South Carolina is always a tough game because they're always going to be coached well. Alabama, they've really turned the corner. Mississippi State has some has a couple of good guards, um, veteran, Cendarius Weatherspoon or however you say his name. Yeah, they're a veteran really, team. Yeah. So, but I mean, Auburn really is 
spitballing right now, and I don't know what that means for Pearl. I don't think he's in trouble oh, yet. He's not going anywhere. Well, I, I, no, I'm not saying he's going anywhere yet, but you know, you piece two of these kind of years together, it gets hot. I see, it gets super hot. Yeah. Unless you're like a coach Cal or a, you know, look, Pearl is not not tier one level for me. I know people. He used to gonna, be they, right. But, you know, the fallout that he had um, with, you know, getting fired because he's a liar. Um, and then just kind of his reputation kind of took a huge hit there. That bumped him down for me. And they just he hasn't coached him well this year. You saw Kermit Davis coach circles around him Yeah, the, uh, last night. I just don't know that and, Auburn can do much. I don't know if they can do any better, honestly, than Pearl. No, you're right. Down there. Right, and I'm not saying he's his seat's hot now. Yeah, uh, but you know, you, you continue to lose these games that you should win. Like I know Ole Miss has played well, but you're way more talented than them. You should beat them. Yeah, I don't care where it's at. I don't care how hot their three point shooting is. You should beat them because, I mean, you just have better players. You have you have a better coach. I think. I think last night was more of an exception. And the rule, I think Pearl is a better coach than Davis. Um, I mean, there. Auburn's still, yeah, yeah. I'm okay, you went really quiet. I was making sure we didn't lose you. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, Auburn still has the ability to turn this thing around. Right. Just, it remains to be seen if they do. I mean, they still have a game against Kentucky and Mississippi State, Alabama, and Tennessee again. So, I mean, they can still turn it around, but the way they've been going right now, it's not looking great. I mean, they, they, they've had some tough losses. Like, they lost by three to South Carolina, and they lost by two to Kentucky. So, right. they've, had, they've had a few close games in there that just kind of haven't fallen their way. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. Um, so, speaking of Kentucky, they oh. survive against Mississippi State, um, and then they lose – to LSU Tuesday night, another game I didn't see any of, um, but I, mm. I know that the controversy that happened. Yeah, and, and sounds like I mean I'm not surprised that LSU won. I think LSU is a really good team, um, but it sounds like it was uh, interesting the whole way it went down. Uh, I'll let you. Did you watch the game? Yeah, I mean just to basically Naz Reed. He's good. He's awesome. He is Very super good. good. He hit a three with about three minutes to go. I think it was three minutes ago, or maybe a little less. They gave him a three-point lead, and at that point, I felt like LSU was going to win this thing because they, yeah. they were just playing so well. Um, Waters, is that the point Very guard? Name? I can't yeah, remember. Tremont, his first Tremont, Tremont Waters. Waters. He was having a good game distributing the ball. Yeah, he's um, a really good player as well. And Will Wade – Heck of a coach. He's gonna. Yep. He's going to be the coach of the year. I think. I think. I don't know. Maybe they give it to Barnes again, but I think it's gonna be. He's making it really close. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and, and Kentucky, they just. I don't know. They they. It didn't feel like the Kentucky team that we had been watching. Yeah. Uh, you know, PJ Washington. He hit a bucket late. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I mean, he still went left twenty. Right, but the, the guys around him, um, the the there's one guy. It's not 
Johnson. It's like Argon's guy. The Argon's Pagans, guy. Pagans. Pagans. Yes. He did not. I don't think he played up to what he has been this year. Um, and they, they lean on these young guys a lot because that's what they that's what they have. Yeah. They don't have a veteran group like Tennessee where you've got six, seven guys who have been in this situation before. You know, when you lean on one or two young guys in a tough situation, that's one thing. But when you're right. leaning on four, five, six, uh, that's a lot to put on young guys. Well, that's the thing. If you shut with, with Kentucky, if you – you know, kind of. I mean, Washington had twenty, and uh, Keldon Johnson had sixteen. But mm-hmm. if you if you kind of keep them in check and make the other guys beat you, none of. The, I mean, Harrow is really good, um, but none of the other guys really scare me that much. He's good, but he's not a guy that's going to beat he, you. Like, right, like PJ right. Washington is a guy that can beat you. Right, Harrow Johnson, can't do it by himself. Right, Johnson is a guy that can beat you. Um, yeah. I mean, none of the but, rest of them scare me. Reed Travis no. is a monster, but he's not that good. No, he, and, he's another guy that had a down game too. I don't. He didn't play very well in this game as well. Yeah. Um, but as as far as like the call goes, I know there's a lot of controversy there. Look, was it on the rim? Was it not on the rim? I personally thought it was on the rim. I thought it was basket interference. But if you look like a half a second before that. A Kentucky defender wraps his hand all up in the net, and that's yeah, that's like an automatic goaltend. Right. If so, you touch the rim at all. Right. So, I mean, if you cancel those out, you go with a call on the floor, and it was a basket. So, and the thing right. is, is the Kentucky player with his hand on the rim, that's not questionable. What right. was questionable was the offensive interference, and I think at that point you just got to go with what was called. Um. So yeah, I think it was. I think it was the right call. Ultimately, um, but yeah, I mean it, it's tough to lose like that. And it, it, it I was telling telling somebody today at work, it's kind of like if the Kentucky Tennessee game was a balloon and the hype was inside of it, it's like LSU just took a needle straight to it because it just does not feel the same. I know it's gonna, I know leading up to it or not leading up to it, but the day of the game. Game day is going to be there. It's going to get hyped then. But, like, yeah. leading up to it, it just does not feel the same to me. Um, because now you're looking at – which I'm kind of getting a little bit ahead, but you're looking at Kentucky's 9-2. and two. You know, if Tennessee beats them, that puts them three games ahead of them in the SEC. Yeah. So, so LSU cares not for that game. They're, they're just coming in and wrecking people. Right. They're playing really good ball right now, and that's going to be a tough test for Tennessee. Thank goodness we have them at home. Um, I actually thought the ball I, – I did not think it was basket interference when I saw the replay. but I think cool. LSU is on the road. Yes, on the road. My bad. Excuse me. I was no, I'm sorry. I just want to make sure we no, got yeah, that. It is. It is on the road. That's going to be tough going down there. But um, as far as Tennessee goes, uh, they handled their business against Florida and South Carolina. Never really was in doubt. I went to the Florida game. It was kind of an ugly game. Um, but they handled their they handled their business, and now they get to go to Lexington and take on the Wildcats of Kentucky, coming off the loss to LSU. Have never lost back to back home games under Cal, but there is a first time for everything, and hopefully, it'll be Saturday. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a good game. Um, probably the most anticipated game in the SEC this year so far, since we haven't played Kentucky yet. Um, but if we keep putting up the points we've been putting up. Um, I I like Tennessee's chances. I really wish they would cut. I, I know when you're scoring more points than you ever have before. I mean, the Tennessee scoring 85 a game. That means the other team is also going to score more points because mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. Because offensive, you know, they get more offensive possessions. But I really am tired of seeing everybody hit 10 plus threes against us. I wish we would cut down on the three point defense. That makes me a little bit nervous for tournament time. Right. Um, but I mean, they they keep winning by 15 plus every night, even with teams hitting 10, 11, 12 threes. Well, you have South Carolina hit 14 so, last night and we win by 12. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I feel like I should be concerned with that, but at the same time, they, you know, the game was never in doubt. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel. I, I'm kind of conflicted on how, how I'm supposed to feel about that. Uh, but we'll see what happens against Kentucky. Um, I, th- I think Grant can have a good game in the post. I don't think Reed Travis can handle Grant Williams. Mm-mm. I think they're going to put Washington on him. Yeah, absolutely. Then that's going to create I mean, some mismatch nightmares we, for Kyle. I feel like right. Kyle will get some not, – not necessarily running the offense through him, but some putbacks. Exactly. Uh, so and we have that length. Exactly, and we saw it against um, South Carolina just the other night. Um, South Carolina really focused on Grant Williams. Um, Coach Martin even said it after the game. You know, we focused on stopping Grant, and Williams led the team in assists. He had seven assists. See, he's such a good passer from the mm-hmm. post. He is such a good passer. I mean, but you know, Bone is the best passer on the team, obviously, but Williams is probably second in that. He has such good court vision, and Tennessee's whole game is inside out. I mean, they wear out the paint, getting it in there to Grant and Kyle and Admiral in the paint. And when they can, can get it in there and then kick it out to the sharpshooters and Turner and um, Bowden, that, you know, their offense is a thing of beauty when it's running right. Yeah, I mean, Grant only had eight points. He was the lowest of the starters and as far as scoring goes. Um, he only took eight shots, which is kind of low for him. But he still had his nine boards and he had the seven assists, like you said. It's just what we talk about all year long. There's yep. so many ways this team can beat you. Yeah. Um, you know, it was Schofield to, or it was Schofield and Bowden. And a little bit, let's not leave this filler out. John Fulkerson had probably the well, game of his career if I had if just thinking off the top of my head. Well, I know he only made two baskets, but they were two heck like they were two sweet baskets. The put back I slam mean, and then the oop. He had seventeen against Tennessee Tech, but you know that doesn't yeah. Tennessee Tech. So <laughs> But no, I mean I felt yeah. like he played really good defensively, which he has he has done a lot this year. He's played yeah. defensively. But then you know the the two. You know he got up on that putback. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen a white boy jump that high in a long time. Look, there's a lot of folky haters out there. I know a lot of folky haters. Folky brings the energy, man. I love folky. He brings a spark off the bench. Don't be hating on my boy. Jalen Johnson with the four point play. Johnson nice played really him. nice. Yeah, nice he played some nice minutes. He gives uh, some Ponds. Respect. 
played just a few minutes with the yeah, mask. I think much. they were kind of taking him kind of very cautiously yep. on that, kind of ease him back. I think if they need him, which I don't – I mean, obviously he can guard. Right. Dude could guard. He's a lockdown defender. He could guard anywhere from the one to the five, I feel right. like. Yeah. Um, like he is, and then his length. Uh, but I feel like if they need him this Saturday, he's definitely going to be available. Absolutely. So, I think all hands are definitely on deck this weekend. Absolutely. Um, we may see a little bit more of Derek Walker this weekend because yeah, Kentucky he has – struggled mightily with bigs with length with guys in the post yeah and you know grant or kyle gets into some foul trouble please don't kyle has that tendency you know if pj washington can get either one of those in foul trouble we're gonna see fulkerson or we're gonna see Derek walker um Derek walker didn't even play last night yeah walker hasn't seen he hasn't seen a lot of minutes at all lately so for whatever reason. Right. But, I mean, I, I like, um, you know, I said, uh, I don't know that, that, uh, I don't know that even PJ can handle Grant in the paint. Maybe he can, but Grant is, you know, we talked about how good of a passer he is and how good of a, an offensive player he is. But another thing that he's great at is deep. I mean, he's a great defender as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like, I like him to be able to guard Washington down there. And, you know, I just – I don't know. Maybe I'm just high on Tennessee right now. It's obviously going to be tough going into Kentucky and winning with them yeah. coming off a loss. But I like their chances. I feel like they can do it. Um, I feel confident in at least a split with Kentucky and the SEC. So. Yeah, I had a stat. Um, well, I can't find it now. But it was Kentucky's record when they play within four games of losing at home and there's some up open in the seventies. It's some ridiculous number like 104 or something yeah. like that. They just, they just don't, they don't lose at home a lot. And when they, they do, don't. they don't do it often in a row. Yeah. So it's going to be tough. Look, they're crazy. Kentucky fans are nuts. Yeah. Um, you know, Papa John, I don't know if you saw that, he's now converted to be a Kentucky fan. Oh, really? To add yet another racist to the Kentucky fan. Um, everyone yeah. knows Adolph Rupp, known racist. Known racist. Uh, now, Papa John, racist. So, I mean, you know, next thing you know, they're, they're going to go and get, uh, get uh, what's his name? David Duke, leader of the KKK. Who knows? He might be a Kentucky fan. Probably is. Um, wouldn't doubt. He's got the he's got white sheets and he's got blue sheets as well. So yeah, he probably is honestly. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really loud up there. I don't. The thing is though, this team is so savvy, man. Yep. They are so composed. I mean, you think think about the Vanderbilt game, and we were down four with less than a minute to go. Never phased them. We right. played. We did what we had to do. Um, we don't. You know, so they say the panties don't get in a wad for this team when when they go and gets tough. Yeah, there's no freaking out from any of them. Right, and it's just so cool and composed. So I don't – I think initially you're probably going to see some jitters. Not really jitters, but just the hype level is going to be so intense with it being game day and with it being the ESPN game um, and just being so, you know, a top five matchup 
you know, as soon as the game starts. But then as the game goes on, things are going to slow down. And I like Tennessee here. I know ESPN BPI is only giving my 40% chance to win. I don't like give that. Us, give us some credit. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm going to talk – this is my rant here come up in just a little bit. But ESPN has given Tennessee the shaft all season. Yeah. And it's really ticking me off. So I'll let you say what you want to say, and then I've got a little rant that I'm about to – No, I, I mean, I think that leads in good. All I was going to mention was just – We've talked about it, you know, enjoy this ride. This is such a fun team to watch, man. And just to speak to their composure, they don't get rattled. And it seems like they're just having fun playing ball. They don't care who's doing the scoring night in, night out, because any of them can score. They just care as long as somebody is scoring. And that, you know, I mentioned the defense that I was, it concerns me a little but not enough to where I'm, I'm worried about it biting them because I know that they'll figure it out because I know how good of a defensive team they were last year. Right. And it's about dang time we start getting some respect. It's and about if you don't rant, time. I'm going to, but you're the well, one you, that rants. So hey, you can it. hop in any time you want. We can have a Harvey and Roche's rant because uh, I have a hot take that I'm going to send out the door. This is your captain speaking. We have arrived at Rochelle's rant. But – Look, Tennessee is the best basketball team in the nation without a question in my mind. You know why? They didn't get down 23 points to Louisville. They said, hey, Louisville, here's Tennessee, and we're going to slap you right across the face with it. All right? And you know what else Tennessee didn't do? They didn't get beat at home by a terrible Syracuse team who's lost to Georgia Tech. Oh, you know what Tennessee did to Georgia Tech? Beat them. Whipped them. Never lost. What's Tennessee's record in the SEC? Never lost. All right. Uh, like I said, they didn't have to come back from down 20. Who cares if Duke came back and won the game? They were down 23 to Louisville mm-hmm, on the road. Tennessee never did that. They're mm-hmm. deeper. They have more balance. They don't rely on two all-NBA players on their team to do everything. They don't rely on Cam Reddish shooting 15 threes and making five. Please, if I shot 15 threes in a game, I could probably make three, and that's almost halfway there. They're more consistent. Duke, in the first half of uh, the Louisville game, and then overtime of the Syracuse game, horrible. Tennessee never looked that bad all season long. Tennessee, look, they've had some close games with teams that aren't good, but they have never this entire season looked bad. Never. Ever. They have Ever. lost one game to a Kansas team who was number one at the time and had two players that aren't playing right now. In overtime. And that was before Jordan Bowden became Jordan Bowden. And that was because we were watching it together and I fell yep. asleep. It's my fault. They're veterans. We talk about it. They're cool. They're composed. I think Duke does this a little bit, but they hadn't been there. They hadn't done it like Tennessee has. They hadn't won their conference like Tennessee has. Oh, yeah. And you want to do stats? The Vols are second in offensive efficiency. Duke second. is eighth. Eight. eight. That's six spots. That's six. You know how much six is? That's a whole hand and another finger. <laughs> All right. What about, oh, you want to talk about how good they share the basketball instead of, you know, keeping it just to sure. the two NBA players? Oh, Vols are second in assist to turnover ratio. Where's Duke? Second. Oh, let's go. 20? No. 25? No. 30? No. 34th? Yep, you got it. Duke is 34th. That's, That's a, a thirty-two. Figures. Do you know how? Do you know how many? How much thirty-two is? I can't even count that high because all I got is twenty. All right. So the balls are better. They're better than every other team. And although they may not cut down the nets at the end of the year, they are the best team in the country. With lawyered, 
Boom. Roasted. Boom roasted. Boom roasted. Mic drop. Your heart sucks and you crush your wife during sex. Boom roasted. <laughs> Man, I agree 100%. I think Tennessee's the best team. I think Duke's a more talented team because of, you know, you said it. They have the all NBA guys that are going to be drafted in the top two. But Tennessee is the best team in the country right now because Tennessee has NBA guys too. Grant Williams can play in the NBA. Admiral Schofield, Kyle Alexander, Jordan Bone. Honestly, I think Jordan Bowden can play in the NBA. I think I was about to say the the most, the Uh more I watch him, the most NBA potential player that I see is Bowden. Yep. He can play the two guard. He's got hops. He can shoot. He can can play defense. He can defend any wing player. 100%, man. I've been so high on Bowden for his entire career, man. I've seen it. I've been like, just please come on, break out. And he finally did. I'm so happy. You know, both of our X factors, we called it at the start of the year, and they are so important to this. Nailed it, man. We did. We nailed it. Go us. More people should listen to us. Oh my, <laughs> because what? we're we're freaking. But yeah, I agree with you, and I I hope you know, like you said, it doesn't mean they're going to win it all because crazy things happen in March. But they're good, man, and it's been a fun ride. Um, enjoy the moment. Enjoy it. Enjoy yeah. it, folks. Enjoy if you're it. a Tennessee basketball fan, soak it in. Soak it all in. Think about Jordan Bowden rising up in Memorial Gymnasium and pulling back the hammer and bringing the house down. Stop it. Think about Fulkerson jumping higher than any white man in a Tennessee uniform ever has before and slamming down the rim. Stop it. This is Valentine's Day. You're making me think. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. Um, so I can go get rid of these thoughts and then uh, (laughs) we'll take uh, the questions we had and we will head out the door when we get back so stick with us podcast blake and ben infield fly um we got one question you guys kind of let us down this week uh, we have one same we were more. all too busy with your valentine's lovers to let us have questions this we'll week. we'll let you have a, a free pass this week since it's the day of love start thinking about what you want to ask us we got another submission to be a guest on our host we're going to have a guest hopefully next week um to talk a little surprise he's not actually going to tell us what he wants to talk about until he Ooh. gets on so we'll see how that goes. As long as it's not rugby, I think I'll be okay. Um, but anyway, the question that we got, let me get it pulled up here. All right. So the Vols got two, so far, two transfers, um, Aubrey Solomon from Michigan and D'Angelo Gibbs from Georgia, defensive tackle and a defensive bat, respectfully. Uh, respectively. Respectfully. That's respectively. Anyway, uh, so the question was, will these players like – Justin Fields get immediate eligibility. Um, and I did a little research on this. David Ubin actually has an article out on the uh, the athletic 
he's a athletic cover for Tennessee football. Um, yeah. and he talks about how the, the rules actually changed last year. So what, this is exactly how the rule reads, um, as far as granting a waiver for immediate eligibility, it says for documented mitigating circumstances that are outside the student athletes control and directly impact the health, safety, and well-being of the student athlete. That is super generalized. Yeah. Okay. If you talk about health and safety, if Aubrey Solomon said that he didn't feel safe at Michigan because of whatever, that is so generalized where now right. I know he has to go through an appeal to get approved or whatever. Um, and the reason that Justin Fields, supposedly the reason that he got immediate eligibility is because the baseball player yelled the racist thing. Like that's right. why everybody's coming to an agreement. Um, but since the rule change, 79.7% or 51 of 64 who applied for the waiver got it. Yeah. That's good odds. Um, so I would say there is a better chance that they get approved and play immediately than they don't. That would be my understanding of how it's played out so far. Uh, yeah. And then one of our friends, Wesley, actually submitted this to uh, the radio show this morning, but I saw it and replied to it was of these two, who would bring the most immediate impact and no question for me, it's Solomon. Yeah. You lose your absolutely. three starters on the defensive line, but, and your defensive back was young and it was good. Uh, Bryce Thompson, Alante Taylor, you know, your safeties are questionable, but Gibbs probably wasn't going to play safety. Right. Um, he's probably going to play corner, maybe some nickel, um, you know, not a huge impact, but Solomon playing defensive tackle or maybe end in the three, four. I'm not really sure how he would translate would come in and play day one right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that he would definitely bring the most impact. I mean, he's a former five-star recruit. So obviously there's talent there, but he was behind an all American at Michigan is why you haven't really seen anything about him or seen him do anything. Cause he hadn't had anywhere to play. He'd been riding a pond behind somebody who's going to be in the NFL. Um, so yeah, I think, I think both of them probably are going to be eligible this year. And I think Solomon's going to be a difference maker on this D line. And I'm, and I don't know if you saw it or not, but Tennessee's actually 15th in the FPI rankings for ESPN. Wow. Yeah. Um, look, I don't know how much weight that carries, but I know that's not surely like opinionated. There is numbers behind it. Yeah. So, you know, it's exciting to, here we go again, right? Where we feel like we're, we're we're turning the corner, but this time it really does feel like we have the right guy in place. He he's a football guy. He's not some car salesman who's going to throw you a bunch of crappy sayings. Um, this guy was raised around football. Um, he's from the South. He talks like us. He acts like us. And he loves he's football. one of us. He loves football and he loves Tennessee basketball as well because it helps yeah. his. Helps his job a lot easier. Everyone loves Tennessee basketball. Yep, except for Kentucky this Saturday when we get our yeah, 20th straight win. Up there and bully beat down them in Lexington and they cry to their sisters who are also their wives. And their cousin. And their cousin. Um, so Ben and I, for anyone – all right, first off, let me lead it off of this. I used to be a huge NBA guy. I, I would say – that when I was in middle school and my first couple of years of high school, I liked the NBA 
as much as I liked baseball because I was playing basketball at the time. I'm not going to say I was good, but I got to play. Like, so when you get to play instead of just riding the bench, like you like the sport, right? Yeah. Um, so I've kind of tried to get myself back into the NBA. It's been hard last year with the Golden State Warriors sweeping the Cavs in the finals, and it's just there was no competitive balance. And there really isn't a ton now, but it feels like it's getting spread out a little bit more. Ben, I know you've hopped on the Sixers bandwagon. Yeah. Um, after after they got Tobias. Um, but last night was – I stayed up till 1, mostly because I couldn't fall asleep and had to be up at 5 this morning. But last night, Portland Trailblazers, man, they took it to Golden State. They ended up beating them by like 20, I think. Uh, Golden State took their starters out with like three minutes to go or two minutes to go. The best part about all of this, Steve Kerr, who – if you want to talk about handed something on a silver platter, Mark Jackson got ultimately screwed over in that deal where the, the Warriors fired him and then bring in Steve Kerr and Steve Kerr's hand. Like he's just, yeah, here's, yeah. here's a 60 win NBA team, make them a 70 win team or make them, make them win the finals when they're probably going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Draymond Green gets a flagrant foul mostly because of his reputation. He he fouled, I believe it was Zach Collins, really hard, brings him to the ground, um, and he gets a flagrant. Steve Kerr goes irate. The ref comes over. He's talking to him. He slams his clipboard, gets a technical, and he just – you could see he dropped about five F-bombs right there and got tossed, and his all-star season got started earlier. And it was just so cool. awesome. Just because I don't hate Steve Kerr. Like he's arguing, dude, you got nothing to argue about, man. Who cares if you lose to Portland the game before the all-star break? You're yeah. probably going to win the NBA finals again. Right. No one's, no one's going to beat you. Yeah. You know, now that LeBron isn't, you know, on the Lakers and they don't look good at all. No one in the wet, like Denver's in second place. Denver's not beating you in a seven game series. Yeah. They're not beating you in a five game series. Right. Uh, you know, your, your biggest competition is the Rockets where they, are a single man team. They're a one man band. Right. Yeah. You put Clay Thompson on James Harden, shut him down as it's best over. you can. Only let him score for thirty five instead of forty. It's over. Yeah, they're. Um, gonna, I feel like the Rockets are going to have a quick exit in the playoffs. You think so? Right now, the Rockets are fifth in the standings. Yeah. So they'd be going to Portland. That's a tough matchup because last night, Dame Willard, man, he is Willard so is underrated. Good. He is yeah. so underrated. Um. But right now, it'd be the Clippers against the Warriors in the first round. Puh, I didn't scare anybody. Um, I, I do just like hate, the Thunder. I don't yeah. think they have a chance of beating the Warriors. I think the Thunder could beat any other team in the West. Yeah, but what, I just what hate. Well, I just hate how the playoffs are so long. Like every series is seven games. It doesn't right. doesn't need to be that. Just make the it, first round could be five, best of five. Yeah, easily because. Like they're okay. I know Memphis beat Gold, uh, Memphis beat San Antonio about dang. It, it was, was about, a long time ago. About twelve years ago, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't happen. Right. Like right now in the East, you've got uh, the Pistons going up against the Bucks. The Pistons ain't beating nobody. That's ahead yeah. of them. They wouldn't beat the Hornets, and they're the seventh seed. Yeah. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, I'm not but, a huge NBA guy. I have hopped on six. I've adopted the Sixers as my team. 
because you know they're cool. I like them. And they're I like good. their uniform. They're good. They have an awesome starting five. I like their jerseys. I like their colors. They have a nice history. You know, Doctor J, Wilt, Allen Iverson. You know, Moses Jimmy Malone, Butler drinking, Chuck. chugging some wine. Jimmy at Butler turning up. Turn me up, Ben Simmons. I like Ben Simmons. There's a lot of Ben Simmons haters out there hating on his shooting ability, but I still like him. So I've adopted them as my team, as Enfield Fly's official NBA team. But yeah, I mean, I guess we'll not, go it doesn't that. mean I'm going to watch NBA games or keep up with it. But right. All I right. mean, I'm, I'm a Pistons fan, but I, I want the Thunder to win the title. I love Russ. He's my favorite yeah. player. I got you. Um, all right, you're out the door this week. What do you right, got? It's, it's not sports related, and I can't uh, remember if I've asked this or not. If I have, just tell me, and we'll do something else. Okay. Um, but like, I'm not trying to get political or anything, but just all this oh, stuff boy. that's going on now in society, it's just so aggravating. So if you could pick any time period other than right now to live in, what would it be and why? Oh, gosh. I hate this question. I hate this question. <laughs> all right. Because, little disclaimers here. So you don't have to stay there forever. So if like if you like the Civil War time period, you don't have to stay and live with no electricity and no Wi-Fi for the rest of your life. We'll say a month or two around that area. Oh God. Okay. You're you like history. Is, this should yeah, be for you. No, I do. Um I guess I would pick probably the twenties, the nineteen twenties. Solid. Um it's the roaring 20s. It's the age of baseball's golden age. You know, mm, I, can, yes. I can watch Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, um, Lou Gehrig, uh, all those guys. We've been actually – well, this is kind of interesting because this – I find, yes, I remember what I was going to tell you earlier. So I'm taking this um, history of sports class right now to finish out my history minor. And um, a lot of the first few chapters we've been reading has actually been dealing with, with the dead ball era and the golden age and stuff. So back in when baseball was first, you know, getting started and it was kind of a rough game. Like it was a dirty game. People were sharpening their spikes. You know, um, there was one story of like an umpire smacked a manager and then he went into the stands, smacked the fan that was heckling him. Like people were just doing stuff like that. And one of the funniest things is so fans would bring their firearms into the into the game and when an outfielder would be camped under a fly ball they would fire off a few rounds into the air to scare the outfielder into dropping the ball (laughs) i think we should bring that back personally it would be hilarious but yeah i think i would pick the 20s like that just seems like a cool time to live in but i hate this question because there's literally no better time to be alive than right now Right in the history, people say this is like the worst time to be alive, but that's such bullshit. Shut your mouth. That's so yeah. stupid because, like, you could have been alive just a couple hundred years ago. People could come and murder your whole family and sell you into slavery. Yeah, we talk like, about discrimination. About this is as free as the world's ever been right yeah. now in America. So, so yeah, I mean, twenties are probably third on my list because, um, like, just I don't know. When I, I hope I don't get made fun of for this but the great gatsby yeah i love that movie it's so it's a, good. no it's a good movie okay well, i don't know if it was kind of a chick flick or not because it's about no, love and all that good, i don't really care for that part of it um but no i uh, i didn't read it i don't read books um, other than the bible of course oh <laughs> 
Uh, no, 20, that's solid. Um, I lean towards the Civil War a little bit just because what a fight I like, against your brother. I like conflict, man. Like, I think it'd be I cool. And, and that's I why my pick ultimately is going to be from 1935-ish till about 1948. Um, die. You're going to die. You're going to have to Well, you know what? More. I'd do it. I'd do it for my country. But no, I just... I love the show, The Man in the High Castle, just because the, this idea, this thought of like this Roman Empire, but like this empire taking over the world, like the threat, like it's super scary, but it's so fascinating to me how one culture, how one society could rule the world. And that's what they were going for. And yeah. I just, not that I like anything that they did. I'm not trying to say this at all. I just, it's so fascinating this ideology, this mentality of, Hey, we're going to tell everybody what to do. Um, I mean, and there's one guy that's going to control the world. Just that thought. It was just, I, I just would want to not experience that completely, but just see the, the brewing of it. Yeah. I mean, you picked a very interesting time there. Cause that was not a great, I mean, you're coming up, you're at the tail end of the Great, the great Depression. Depression, right? Look, and, and I'm, not, going I'm not picking it war. because I want to, you know, I definitely wouldn't want to live success. there. No, 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 that's why I said we're not going for over, you know, a couple months. Um, but yeah, and the Greatest Generation. It would have been awesome just to, just to be around in that time period, just because it was less. There was like not as much division in the country. Yeah. It was more of. We have to stick together, or we gonna die. We gone. We're gonna we speak in German. Uh, eating yeah. sauerkraut. Ugh. Ugh. That's right. Thank God he saved to, us from that. You would have got to see all those baby boomers getting born. <clears throat> I'm sure. Oh. I'm sure they had a great Valentine's Day when they came back from the war. Oh boy, we had a great one well, here. It was almost a year in the war, and in like. Was it, it ended was in it? November, I think. Okay, was a, you know, had some, had some time. I mean, babies were almost being born by then. What is that? One, two. That's like six months. You're, or September. Maybe it was September when the war. Was yeah, going. I mean, if that's the case, and the babies were coming out around Valentine's, they definitely weren't making any more. Oh, they were ready to make more. That's why they were called the baby. Uh, they were everywhere. Well, you gotta. <sighs> you can't just have another baby right after you have one. You gotta. I wouldn't like know some, anything about that. No, I mean, just some anatomy classes. That I'm taking. You, you can't just, you got to have a little disabled list time. Sorry, injured injury, injury list. list. Oh my, <laughs> you just insulted all our viewers. I call it disabled list. <laughs> oh, oh man. We've had a great Valentine's Day here spending it with you guys. We'll have this show up tomorrow. Um, com website. Go check it out. Send us questions. Send us forms to, to join the show. We got a couple people have already sent us some stuff. We're going to be getting them on as soon as we can. Um, I think that's pretty much it. You got anything else? No, just uh, go Vols. And go hopefully Vols. when we talk again, we'll be number one go. for the fifth straight week. Yep. Yes, sir. Uh, it's been fun, guys. So, peace. <laughs>